This is Generation Justice, broadcasting from the University of New Mexico, 89.9 KUNM and KUNM.org. I'm your host, Zach Milliken. And I'm your other host, Alma Olavaria Gallegos. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. With elections only two days away, tonight we bring you two experts who will be discussing the election, the importance of voting, and what to expect on this year's ballot. First, we hear some insightful analysis from New Mexico political blogger and journalist Joe Monahan. We've got to have people participate in order to have a vibrant democracy and also to let the politicians know we're watching them. That's our job. Then we speak to attorney and political analyst Laura sanchez Rive for her take on this year's campaigns. Hopefully get your friends to vote because, like I said, this is going to be an important election for young people. If young people vote, I think we're going to have better candidates. We also have a great community calendar, and tonight we honor Dia de los Muertos. We start off with some great music from our music host, Jorge Ernesto Rojas. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for listening to us. We have for this evening some amazing songs that I'm pretty sure you all are going to enjoy. This first song is performed by Mercedes Sosa, born and raised in Tucumán, Argentina, and it's about how students, young people, can be a really good contribution to their communities in order to make a change. Let's hear Que Vivan Los Estudiantes. Me gustan los estudiantes que rugen como los vientos Cuando le meten al oído sotanas y regimientos Pajarillos libertarios igual que los elementos Caramba y zamba la cosa que viva lo experimento We would like to welcome Joe Monahan of New Mexico Politics with Joe Monahan, longtime journalist who specializes in political analysis. His blog has been featured on Capitol Hill newspaper Roll Call, the Los Angeles Times, and Politico, as well as other media outlets. You know, Alma, he actually started as a student here at UNM, pursuing journalism as a news reporter for KUNM and the Daily Lobo. Whoa, that's so cool. And we are so happy to be able to hear from him about the upcoming elections in New Mexico. Now here is our very own Cristina Rodriguez with Joe Monahan. I'm Cristina Rodriguez from Generation Justice. I'm here today with Joe Monahan, author of the most widely read political blog in the state, New Mexico Politics with Joe Monahan. We're going to be talking about the upcoming election and what's going to be on the ballot. Joe, welcome to Generation Justice. Well, it's very nice to be here, Christina. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Joe. Well, I'll tell you this. It's good to be back on KUNM. This is where it all started for me in 1974. I was a uh, radio news director and public affairs director right at this very station. Uh, and I was looking around today, and I noticed they have the same phone numbers for the news department. So I'm ready to go back, you know. But it's good to be back here at KUNM and uh, on the university where I spent so much time in the in the Stone Age, if you will, and of course at the UNM Daily Lobo where I covered my first political campaign for governor featuring uh, Jerry Apodaca and Joe Skeen. And the historians in the audience will uh, will remember that being very close in, in that campaign. So uh, flash forward 40 years, still involved in New Mexico politics and still uh, have a passion for it. So it's good to be here to share some thoughts. Thank you. It's good to have you. 
So you mentioned that you wrote for the Daily Lobo. How did that start? Well, I really found uh, myself attracted to journalism and reporting in the what was the Watergate era when President Nixon resigned, uh, and that really caught a lot of our imaginations back then about journalism and what it could do and the influence it could have and just the usefulness of it as a vocation. And I basically walked into KUNM Radio. Uh, before I walked into the Lobo and said, I want to learn more and I want to be on the radio. And uh, they put me on the radio not too long after that. It was that easy. And they even paid me after a while $2.50 a story. And that was a thrill. And so once you get that bug, it's very hard to lose. And then I wanted to develop it a little bit more. And, and fortunately, we had a, we have a great newspaper here. The Lobo was available for me to, to learn and to make all my mistakes at, too, as well as on the radio. Of course, I'm still making them, hopefully not quite as many as when I first started. Have you seen any changes in the Daily Lobo from 40 years ago to today? You know, the Daily Lobo is interesting because it changes every year almost with a new editor. So you get a new tone and it refreshes itself. But it's always a very valuable tool for the university community and those of us who want to stay in touch. The big change is you read it online. You know, we didn't have that until uh, probably the late 90s. So technology has been the huge change, Christina. The rapidity of it, how fast it is, and the uh, closeness that you are to the news cycle as a consumer You're almost like a reporter on your Twitter or Facebook, and every one of us has become somewhat of a reporter in this new era. Mm -hmm. It's like we're all producers with social media. Yes, and we all need editors. Uh, Unfortunately, there's not enough of the editors to go around. I think some of the speech gets a little carried away. But it has been a big changing world since my time beginning in the 1970s. So has journalism always been political for you, or what triggered that political coverage? I was always interested in politics, so I specialized immediately in covering the political campaigns of that day uh, for the newspaper and the radio station. I always found them exciting. I'm a political junkie. I like the back and forth. I like the uncertainty. I like the passion. Uh, I just like the whole spirit of a political campaign. Probably more so than now, they've become a little bit uh, over-moneyed and besotted with uh, negativity. But I still enjoy uh, democracy, watching it. It's, as Dan Rather, the famous journalist, called it, you know, the dance of democracy. And I think we're very fortunate to have uh, that in this country. And, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it, as they say. So I'm glad to keep using it as long as uh, the First Amendment's there. So let's talk about politics. Sure. What do you think are some of the biggest races going on in New Mexico right now and that are going to create the biggest impact on New Mexico? Well, I think all of us know the big races are the ones we see on our television screens or on on the Internet. The race for governor featuring the incumbent governor, Susana Martinez, versus uh, Democrat Gary King. The U.S. Senate race uh, with incumbent U.S. Senator Tom Udall, the Democrat, and Alan Way, the Republican. And, you know, some of these lower ballot races for it, Secretary of State and Land Commissioner, people are getting to know those characters too, aren't they? Because they're on the TV screens. But uh, the two big ones are the governor and the Senate in this cycle. And then there's that battle for control of the State House of Representatives in New Mexico. The Democrats currently control it. But if the Republicans were to pick up just three seats, they would be in charge for the first time since uh, Dwight Eisenhower was president. And I'm sure you were around for that. 
(laughs) (laughs) So going back to the biggest political campaigns, what happens if Susana Martinez wins for New Mexico? And what happens if Gary King wins? Well, I think she will continue in the manner she has. She governs quite conservatively. There has not been a lot of legislation passed under her watch of of huge consequence. She cites as her major accomplishments is solving a projected budget shortfall and not raising taxes. And I think those will continue to be her top priorities is to pursue a smaller government without any big uh, sweeping measures. Uh, Gary King, being a Democrat, will try to be more of an activist governor than what you've seen and will probably try to increase funding uh, for certain programs. He's talked about early childhood education, uh, talked about the status of children in New Mexico as being 49th out of 50 in the child well-being rankings. So I think that you'll see a more vigorous approach to those issues than you would see under Governor Martinez, who has pursued them but uh, has emphasized the economic issues over the social issues. Oh, one other thing I might add is that big shakeup in the behavioral health department, behavioral health programs in New Mexico will continue to be a big issue under whoever takes a power after uh, Tuesday's election. So what would happen in either situation? Well, I think that it's going to continue to be investigated and to say why were all these uh, providers uh, for the mental health programs replaced by Arizona firms? Uh, now that they are here, is it properly funded? It's going to continue to be a, a gnaw at both political parties because New Mexico has some very deep-seated social problems, and among them are behavioral health, the homeless. We had that shooting of the homeless uh, camper James Boyd back in March. We had the uh, abuse death, the tragic abuse death of Omari Varela uh, that have brought these issues further into the consciousness of New Mexicans. And they're going to want to see, I believe, more progress in the years ahead because these cases have been sensational and call out for action. Speaking of sensationalism, has there been anything that has stood out to you about this year's campaign season? Oh, has, well, the whole thing is sensational. I mean, it's a sensational mess, some people would say. I mean, you've got a four or five state house seats uh, that are really critical, the ones that are really close. And one political action committee is spending $1.6 million so far. Where do you put all that money? And then the other side spending another million. We were used to seeing these state legislative races maybe spend twenty dollars or $30,000 for a couple of mailers and you walk around. Uh, door to door, because only 10,000 or so people vote in them. Now you've got radio commercials, like you can put an ad on the radio, it goes to all the people who can't vote for you. That shows you how much money has become involved in the system. And even though we've seen this, Christina, in each cycle for, for a number of years, with that Citizens United ruling, where the Supreme Court said anything goes, basically, we're really now just seeing the impact of it as we go further down the ballot, even these little races are being flooded with cash, and it's hard for the voters to keep up with all the campaigning and a lot of the nonsense, and they tune it out, I think. We're facing a big variety of issues here in New Mexico. Are any of those reflected on the ballot? They are reflected on the ballot. I mean, in Bernalillo County, there are two advisory questions, which has become controversial because these questions that will be asking the voters for their opinions, but they won't have any binding authority. One of them calls for uh, increasing property taxes to fund programs for mental health here in Bernalillo County. Uh, it would raise, uh, I'm sorry, it would raise the gross receipts tax, not the property tax. 
And then another one would uh, calls for decriminalizing uh, the possession of small amounts of marijuana uh, to advise the county commission on how people feel about them. So those are two direct issues. I don't know if they're the real big issues of the day. The mental health one, I would. The marijuana kind of is an issue that is important uh, to a segment of the community, but I don't think it's as widespread impact as the mental health. So those are two that are right there on the ballot that you're going to be able to vote on. Are there any constitutional amendments on the ballot this year? Good question. Yes, there are. There are five constitutional amendments, and they're very esoteric because they're complicated and they're not dealing with subjects that people deal with in their uh, everyday lives. Some of them, one of them deals with who can be an urban county. Well, that would take a long time to explain. Uh, And then you've got one that would deal with what percentage of the state's big permanent fund should be invested in foreign stocks. So as you can see, it can get pretty obtuse. It's a very long ballot, and people, probably many of your listeners, Christina, have already voted. But for those who haven't, you know, bring a comfortable chair with you in the voting lines. When you sit down to fill that ballot, it's going to take a long time. But it's worth doing, I should add. With only two days left until the election, what is your message to the voters in New Mexico? Well, my message is always the same vote. Number one, you know, we're headed for another low turnout in these midterm elections. Uh, They are not uh, presidential elections, as you know, where many more people vote. So we always fret and worry about turnout because we've got to have people participate in order to have a vibrant uh, democracy and also to let the politicians know we're watching them. That's our job. We've got to tell the people in power we care. And we do that by voting. And when we don't, they think they can probably get away with a little bit more uh, of their viewpoint than our viewpoint and stray away. So I urge everybody to vote and to check out my blog, joemonahan.com, for some fun entertainment about politics and and some uh, reporting on it. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just that I'm glad that, uh, you know, the young people are coming into this system and I hear so much interest uh, from people like you and it's gratifying. And I just hope that we can do something about this campaign financial system so these new young voices from Generation Justice and elsewhere are truly heard. We have to have the people heard, not just the big money. And so, and from that means from a liberal and a conservative perspective, the big money. I'm being, you know, nonpartisan about that. That's my big concern going forward that people will withdraw. They won't feel they will have the power to make the change. So I urge the young people to stay with it and to, you know, give us the change that that we need going forward. Thank you, Joe. I really respect all the political coverage you provide us with on a daily basis. And at Generation Justice, we just want to thank you for providing your insights with us today. Well, it's been nice being here and good luck with everything. Wow. I'm surprised that compared to years ago, money is such a large part of the election cycle. Just this election, $1.6 million was spent on only a few congressional races. Yeah, and it scared me to think that sources outside of New Mexico are providing so much financing for candidates. It makes me wonder whose opinions and policies these politicians are really supporting. It's important for awareness to be spread about that and how this really affects elections and then people like us. Thank you, Joe Monahan, for joining us. And thank you to Christina Rodriguez for the interview. Up next, we have more awesome music from our music host, Jorge. Thank you, Zach. This next song talks about how to be free. It is about keeping your own convictions, ideals, and dreams in order to make life what you want it to be. This song is called A Mindful of Whispers by Outlanch. Let it go, let it free, let it be, let it breathe, let it go, let it go. Let it go. 
Thank you, Jorge, for that wonderful music by Outlandish. Up next, we have an interview with an attorney and political analyst, Laura Sanchez-Rivet. Ms. Sanchez-Rivet is an Albuquerque attorney and has broad experience in electoral politics and stakeholder outreach. Here is our guest, Laura Sanchez-Rivet, with Generation Justice fellow Chantel Trujillo. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chantel Trujillo, and tonight my guest is the former CEO of the New Mexico Green Chamber of Commerce, and she is the current owner and manager of Sanchez Legal Solutions. She resides in Albuquerque with her husband, as well as her two dogs, a cat, and a turtle, whom she affectionately refers to as her four children. Laura Sanchez-Rivet, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. Thanks for having me. To start off, can you please tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. I'm an attorney. I, um, I'm originally from Deming, New Mexico. So uh, I was born and raised in the southern part of the state. Um, my parents are for, were from Mexico originally, so um, immigrant family. We grew up pretty poor. Um, I managed to make it out of that small town and uh, go to undergrad and uh, grad school at University of Arizona. And then I went to law school at UCLA, then came back to Albuquerque and decided to practice here. So you've spent many years not only studying law, but I know that you also taught law. Um, how did mm -hmm. law become your passion? Well, um, actually, when I first started undergrad, I was an engineering major. I was engineering pre-med, and so I was uh, really into math and science, and um, I was one of those unusual people that, uh, that seemed to enjoy that kind of stuff, math and science. But anyway, I went into engineering thinking that was going to be what I did. Um, and uh, after my first year of college, I realized that I wasn't doing enough arguing or um, reading or writing or talking to people, and, and I'm, I'm very opinionated. And so I actually went back to some of my high school teachers and talked to them about what they, what they could see me doing. And they said either a teacher or um, a lawyer. And so I, I've kind of done a little bit of both. <laughs> so was there something specific within law that attracted you? Yeah, I mean, initially it was actually workers' justice issues, so employment um, issues. Uh, my mom basically was a single parent, and we grew up, like I said, really poor. Um, and she worked at the at the chili plant in Deming, so she would do, like, uh, processing of the chili. Um, but the conditions were really tough. They're really, It's really hard there. And so that idea of trying to help workers was really a strong passion of mine. And um, civil rights in general was something I was really interested in. So I decided that I was going to go into law and um, try to educate myself and, and be an agent of change. So, Laura, let's talk about the elections. In your opinion, what political races in this election are going to have the biggest impact on New Mexico? Well, I think that um, there's there's two that I can think of in particular. One is the governor's race. I think that's going to be a really important one for determining the future of New Mexico, um, particularly in terms of jobs and education and health care and a lot of issues that will affect people in the state. Um, and the other issue actually is, uh, it's not one race in particular, but it's a number of races, um, is control of the House, the, the New Mexico State House of Representatives. Um, basically, senators run every four years, representatives run every two years. And this year, there are a lot of um, seats that are up for grabs, and both parties are vying to pick up that seat. So Democrats have been in control for several years here in New Mexico, and now the Republicans are trying to take those seats and become the majority. I think depending on who the majority is, the Democrats or the Republicans in the State House, it's really going to affect what kind of policies we see in the next few years. 
Even with the governor's race? Even with the governor's race. I mean, I think that if the governor's race stays the same, um, stays basically in, in Republican hands with Susana Martinez, and then we end up getting a Republican House majority, then we're going to see a lot of, I think, return back to policies that we've made huge progress on in the last um, you know, 10 years or so. We're going to see a lot of that reversed. And I think a lot of it will affect social policy issues. Um, a lot of uh, young people will be affected and poor people in particular will be affected. So if Susana Martinez does win or if Gary King does win, what will that mean for New Mexicans? Well, you know, one of the things I think there's a big difference between the two candidates right now. Um, uh, in particular, I can say that, you know, Gary King has been the attorney general for the last few years here in New Mexico. But his background, actually, him personally, he, he has a Ph.D. in chemistry. Um, and he's also an attorney, obviously. So he has um, he has a really strong background in um, technical issues that affect like the environment and um, has a really good knowledge of environmental issues. So on the environment, which is something that I've worked on quite a bit in the last few years, uh, that's an issue area that I think a lot of young people care about. And in particular, Gary King would be a lot better for the environment in New Mexico. He would ensure that we have responsible people on commissions and at the at the New Mexico Environment Department, um, and that certain policies that I think um, really move forward under the Richardson administration that we end up keeping, you know, holding the line on those instead of reversing them like we've seen under um, Martinez. I've also noticed a lot of ads regarding job creation from both parties. Right. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think that if you look at um, current studies on the economy in the Southwest in particular, you see that a lot of states around us have started to reverse the, um, you know, the economic downturn that they've that we had in the last few years. And if you look at New Mexico, we've actually lost jobs here. And so we are not bouncing back like the rest of the country is. And I think that has a lot to do with just the fact that we, we're a poor state. We're, we're a um, very low population state. So we have to have other policies to attract um, people to come here and also to keep students and, and recent graduates here um, and actually provide them jobs. So I think that, um, you know, we're seeing that basically on the job creation front, um, I know that there's an ad that um, Martinez has that says that she created 30,000 new jobs. That's really counter to any reports that, that are out there right now in terms of job creation. We've actually lost jobs. Um, so the fact that one of the ads says she's created jobs is really disingenuous, in my opinion. Um, Gary King, on the other hand, has a jobs plan. I think he comes from, um, you know, he's had a, a private business. He's been a business owner. Um, he comes from a ranching family. He also um, has been in government. So I think he has good policies behind him to be able to create more jobs and to help in terms of education and that pipeline from education into the private sector to be able to create jobs. So in terms of overall um, economic growth in New Mexico, what do you see that needs to happen? Well, I think it's important to have um, good incentives for um, businesses, not just out-of-state businesses, but local businesses. Um, you know, here in New Mexico, we have a lot of actually uh, one or, one or two-person um, shops, like small businesses that are really just a person, you know, selling their own stuff or creating, you know, their own restaurant or whatever it is. And a lot of taco trucks and food trucks and stuff like that. Um, so we have policies that basically are, are not as um, amenable to those really small one or two person, uh, what they call ma and pa shops. Um, I think that we need to have a better tax system to help a lot of those folks. We also need to have incentives for um, other high-tech areas like renewable energy development. Um, there's a lot of tax incentives that could help attract more renewable energy development. And those kinds of jobs that would be created would be higher um, paying jobs. 
than you know the ones that that are available now. So we're talking just on average those that pay much higher per hour, um, and hopefully they could help with training as well at both CNM and and UNM and the universities. So I think that in general. We need to focus on those kinds of high growth areas. And I think, um, like I said, renewable energy, green technology is a strong area, but also making sure that we're able to provide um, other types of opportunities, like the healthcare sector is one that's going to be growing. I think all studies show that it's going to be growing quite a bit in the next few years. And um, being able to train people to get into those jobs is really important. So here at Generation Justice, we value and honor youth voice. What does this election mean for young people? Um, what struck me recently was, um, you know, there's the marijuana ballot measure that's on the on the ballot this time here in Albuquerque. Um, and, you know, when when that was being challenged and uh, Martinez commented on the fact that basically that whole ballot was just a, an attempt to try to get young people to the polls. And she was making it sound like that was really something that was not desirable. And that shows that they really don't want young people to come vote because they're out of step with what young people want. So the more people we can get out to vote, um, the better I think we'll end up reflecting our state representatives, our elected officials. They'll really be in better step with what um, the young people care about. And really, young people, you know, whenever they vote, I think better candidates win. And it's really important that people take advantage of all the different opportunities to vote. Um, you can do it by mail. You can do it early vote. You can go to any polling location. I think there's going to be 69 in the county on election day, and you can vote from any one of them. And um, they have this new thing called ballot on demand. So it's a lot easier to cast a vote now than it was when I was your age. <laughs> so. Um, so what else has stood out to you during this campaign season? Um, well, for one, it's been, um, I think, a really ugly campaign season in terms of the ads. I think they're really negative. And one of the things that has stood out for me is just how much money has been spent on these elections, um, especially from out-of-state groups. And that's really sad when you see the interests. You know, those reports that basically everybody has to file, um, candidate finance reports, those are public information and anybody can look those up. If you spend some time looking at them, you'll see, you know, the kinds of folks that are supporting one side versus the other. Um, and I think that says a lot about who they're going to essentially vote with um, once they get elected. I'm really glad that you mentioned the money that goes into the campaigning because I think that's something that we all need to also consider. Right. So with two days until um, the election, what's your message to voters in New Mexico? I think it's just important for you to go and be aware that the ballot this time is really long, <laughs> which is a feature of just having so many different issues that got that made it onto the ballot. And there's a lot of judges up for retention. So um, I think it's important that everybody, you know, try to get as much information as you can about the candidates and really spend the time on, you know, reading who it is and, you know, think about who, who you're going to give your vote to because your vote's really important. So regarding the fact that the ballot is super long, yeah. um, how would you recommend people to prepare for that? Well, you can actually go online and um, you can find sample uh, ballots. Um, you can actually get information from the um, county clerk's office to find out about the different um, issues that are on the ballot. One of the areas that I practiced in um, when I first started practicing law was in bonds, public finance. And that's a really weird area, like municipal bonds. Um, even for me, it's hard sometimes to read through each of those because it's such dry language. It's really hard to understand. Um, but basically, there's a lot of issues on the ballot that have to do with public financing and bonds. And those issues are important because they create more, um, especially for universities, for education, they create more um, potential jobs for people in construction. It's also basically adding to um, facilities, to universities, 
um, for training and education purposes. So it's just important, I think, for people to um, pay attention to the ballot and try to get through as much of it as you can <laughs> all the way to the end. Um, and really just uh, hopefully get your friends to vote, too, because, like I said, this is going to be an important election for young people. Um, if young people vote, I think we're going to have better candidates. So Thank you so much for explaining sure. that. I appreciate it. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, no, other than just, you know, basically, I, I want to thank you guys for inviting me. I think this is a great effort and a really great program. Um, and from what I read and, and what I heard, um, I heard listened to some of your um, broadcasts, but uh, it sounds like you just are on, on the cutting edge of the stuff that's important. And I'm so glad that there are young people that are interested in getting information out to others because, um, you know, there's just so much hype out there. Uh, that I think young voices get lost in the phrase. So you guys are doing a great job. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for speaking with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. After hearing this, I wish I was old enough to go out and have my voice count. I hope people who can vote take advantage of their privilege and right and make a difference on Tuesday. Yeah, I thought that it was interesting to know how different types of people would be elected if more youth voted. The youth vote is very important in New Mexico. Listening to this interview made me realize how each vote, or lack of one, directly influences the rest of the state, especially those who cannot yet vote. I found it interesting that the ballot is longer than usual. Thank you to Laura Sanchez-Rivet and to Chantel Truillo. Yes, thank you so much. And now back to our music host. Steven Ellison is better known as Flying Lotus, this talented artist from Los Angeles, California, recorded this next song featuring Kendrick Lamar called Never Catch Me. This is a song that shows life is full of decisions. We have the life that we want only if we take control of it and it doesn't matter what people think about your beliefs and dreams. You are the owner of your life and that is all that matters. Awesome music, Jorge. Thank you. Up next is our calendar with Gada and Derek. Stay tuned to hear upcoming events in our community. Welcome to this week's exciting edition of Community Calendar. I'm your calendar host, Gada Jawad. And I'm your other calendar host, Derek Toledo. What an exciting time of the year, election time. It's time to rock the vote because election day is November 4th. That's right. The polls will open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can vote at any polling destination in the city. Hey, Derek. Are you interested in discovering youth talent? Yes, definitely. I've always been interested in the next generation. Well, there's an upcoming event called Youth Jam. That sounds cool. Tell me more about it. Youth Jam focuses on celebrating youth strengths and the resources in our community. Oh yeah, I've heard about it. It's a suicide and substance use prevention event at Warehouse 508, right? That's right. It'll be held on Saturday, November 8th at 2 p.m. There will be a youth talent show, open mics, DJs, games, and much more. Speaking of performing arts, have you heard of the event called Winter Tales? No, I haven't. Tell me more. It's an event put on by CEC and the Albuquerque High School Native American program. They will have Native American storytelling, and attendees will have the opportunity to hear stories, participate in games, and other forms of entertainment. Sounds cool. Where will it be? 
Winter Tales is going to be at the Albuquerque High School Performing Arts Center on November 13th at 6 p.m. For more information, contact Elizabeth Trujillo at 505-884-6392. Derek, one thing I value a lot is early childhood development, and I'm excited to hear that the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science will be hosting The Wonder of Learning, The Hundred Languages of Children. Really? That sounds awesome. What is it? It's a traveling exhibit that tells the story of the Reggio Emilia educational experience. This approach really targets young children and fosters a love of learning. That sounds really interesting. Do you know when it is? It's right now. You can see the exhibit at the Natural History Museum through November 30th. Awesome. You know what, Gada? There's this really cool movie I want to see called Up Heartbreak Hill. Are you going to go see it? Isn't that movie about teenage track stars from New Mexico? Yeah. So the story is about these teenagers who have to choose between a bright future and their ties binding them to home. It's a look at a new generation of Americans struggling to be both native and modern. Oh yeah, it's on November 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Student Union Building at UNM campus. If you have any questions, contact moca at unm.edu for more information. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of this amazing experience of Community Calendar. Until next time, I'm your calendar host, Derek Toledo. And I'm your other calendar host, Gada Jawad. By the way, do you guys hear the music playing in the background? It's from our very own Zach Milliken, who is also the host tonight. Check him out on SoundCloud. DJ Quasar Official. Not a Jorge for some more music. This song is so special for today as we honor Dia de los Muertos. John Henrik is a singer born in Cali, Colombia, but adopted by a family from Sweden. This artist became part of the Swedish ancestral community called Sami, and his music clearly has these roots. Next, we are going to hear this spectacular song called Daniel's Joik. This is a song that John Henry made honoring his best friend's memory. On Dia de los Muertos, we celebrate our ancestors, our loved ones, who we miss, but honor them as they travel the spirit world. Here is Daniel's Joik. As you listen to this song, maybe you want to think about your antepasados. So, here it is. We have reached the end of our show tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to Joe Monahan and Laura sanchez Rove for taking the time to speak with us. We would like to thank Christina Rodriguez and Chantel Trujillo for conducting the interviews and editing. A huge thank you to our calendar hosts, Gara Jawad and Derek Toledo. And a big shout-out and props to our music director, Jorge Ernesto Rojas. Thanks to our lovely engineers, Gara Jawad, Carson Lafferty, and Camaria Umi. Shout out to Cristina Rodriguez for producing tonight's show. Production assistance by George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, and Roberta Rayal. Much appreciation to all of our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We wouldn't be the same without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past shows, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. We are also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. 
Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation and, of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm your host, Zach Milliken. And I'm your other host, Alma Olavaria Gallegos. We will close our program tonight with some more music. Then, following us on KUNM is Spoken Word. See you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Until then, stay chill. To end the show, we have a few more songs. First up, Invitation by Arcade Fire, followed by Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson, and Amendment by Annie DiFranco. Then we'll hear Los Ejes de Mi Carreta by Atsualpa Yupanqui. Take me out of here Don't want to fight, don't want to die 